turn to Matthew 6 and Matthew 18. All right, Matthew 6 and Matthew 18. And we're in a series talking about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we've been in this series for several weeks, and we've been memorizing the Lord's Prayer in the Old King James Version. And so, in a moment, we'll put it on the screen, and I want all of us to say it together, all the campuses, South Lake NRH, North Fort Worth, Frisco, we'll say it all together, and we'll read it, and I want you to read it um, loudly so that it is loud, okay? <laughs> all right, Matthew 6, look at verse 9. Ready? Let's say it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Great job. And we're memorizing this week, we're memorizing a phrase a week, so if you're behind, it won't be difficult to go back one phrase or two. We're memorizing verse 12, and that's what we're talking about, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, if you're there in Matthew 6, I want you to notice how important verse 12 is because the Lord's Prayer ends in verse 13, and look at verses 14 and 15. Watch this. What the first thing he says after amen is, for, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What an amazing two verses of Scripture right after the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then all the other things, and then amen. And then Jesus says, for, or since, or because, please hear what I'm about to say, for if you don't forgive, my Father won't forgive you. And the word forgive means release. If you don't release others from their debts, God's not going to release you from your debts. It's a very, very important part of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. All right, so there are two parts to it. Here's number one if you're taking notes. Confess your debts. Confess your debts. Now, let me explain something to you about the Greek word that's used here for debt, all right? This, this Greek word is only used twice in the entire New Testament. And by the way, we're going, I'm going to show you the other time it's used is in Matthew 18. So, we'll turn to that in a moment. But it's only used twice. Uh, before I tell you about that. Now, what this means, there's another Greek word that's used for death that's used many, many times in the New Testament. Let me tell you about that Greek word first. It means a loan that you can repay. Uh, many of us have loans that we can repay, a, a home, a car, something similar to that, okay? So, it's a loan that we have the income to be able to repay. It's in our budget to take care of that debt. It's debt that is manageable. That's the other Greek word. That's not the Greek word that's used in Matthew 6. Forgive us our debts. It's not a loan that you can repay. There's another one, and it's only used twice, Matthew 6 and Matthew 18, the two passages I told you to turn to. Here's what it means. A loan 
that is justly due, but you can never repay it. It's justly and legally due, but you can't repay it. It's too much. It's, it's what we would call bankruptcy debt. It's so high that your income would never, ever, ever, if you work 10 lifetimes, you could never repay this debt. It's something that you've got to get forgiven of. You can't do it. It's, you know, again, we would call it bankruptcy debt. I, I have a friend of mine that his company was struggling, and he went to one of these uh, Christian men's luncheons, and this guy got him spoke, and he said, you know, I uh, was asking God what to do, what business to go into, and he said, I opened my Bible, closed my eyes, and I reached down, pointed, and I looked, and it said oil, and I went in the oil business. Made a lot of money. He said, and then later he said, I, I, after that, I thought, well, I'm going to start another business. He said, I closed my eyes, opened my Bible, reached down, and it said cattle. I went in the cattle business. So my friend, his business is struggling, so he thought, oh, hey, I'm going to try that. So he goes home, opens his Bible, closes his eyes, puts his finger down, looks down, it said chapter 11. <laughs> it wasn't really encouraging to him. Here's the point, though. There is a debt that we can't pay. But this says, confess your debts. Confess the debts that you can never repay. So we need to understand something about forgiveness because we, if, we, if you have a problem, please, please hear me about this. If you have a problem forgiving others, I personally believe it's because you have a problem receiving forgiveness. Another way to say it is forgiving yourself. Because if you can't really receive God's forgiveness, you'll never be able to forgive yourself. And many times, people who have a problem, and I'm in that category, I've done it too. But when we have a problem forgiving someone else, it's because we have a problem forgiving ourselves. And if we have a problem forgiving ourselves, it's because we really have a problem believing that God has forgiven us. Because this is a debt we can't pay back. We, we can't earn God's forgiveness. And it's very difficult for us. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. Let me say that again. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay, the, the reason that people can't give freely is because they haven't received freely. If you think in any way, shape, or form that you are earning God's forgiveness, listen to me very carefully, then you'll make others earn your forgiveness. Let me say it again. If you think that, that God is forgiving you because you, you, you read your Bible now, and you pray, and you, you go to classes, and you're becoming a leader, and, and you don't yell at people as much as you used to, and you're doing better, therefore God is forgiving you. No. This is a debt you can't pay. It's a debt that must be pardoned. The title, I didn't even give you the title, I'm sorry, a moment ago, but the title of this week's message is The Pardon of Prayer. We've talked about the person of prayer, and, and we've talked about the provision of prayer and the petition of prayer. Now we're talking about the pardon of prayer. It, you have to be pardoned. So we have to understand forgiveness. As a matter of fact, I was counseling with a guy one time about forgiveness, and I said, why haven't you forgiven this person? And, and you know, we try to do uh, Christianese. Well, you know, I've forgiven him, but… Okay, there's no but. You know, you know I, I've forgiven him, but I have dreams about killing him. But I've forgiven him, you know. Okay, no, you haven't forgiven. 
So I said to this guy, now why haven't you forgiven him? And finally, here's what he said. It just came out of him. He said, because he hasn't earned it. He hasn't earned my forgiveness. And I said, you haven't earned God's forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive others. In other words, because we've received forgiveness, we're going to, because we've received forgiveness freely, then we can freely give. Okay, here, here's our problem. We really don't understand what happened when God forgave us. Let me, let me show you a verse before we get to Matthew 18. Romans 4, 3 says, for what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Obviously, accounted comes from the word accounting, which comes from the word count. But this is an accounting term. It literally means to put in your account. So Abraham believed God and God put righteousness in his account. But let me explain what else God did when we believe him. Let me tell you something else God did. God has taken sin out of our account. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 said that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. Listen to this, not imputing their sins to them. Not imputing. This word imputing is another accounting term. In other words, God is not counting our sins against us. Now, this is very, very, very important to understand. And God, by the way, has done that for the whole world. I, I may, I'm, I'm going to shock you in just a uh, just. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I, said, I was about to say I was going to shock you in just a moment, but I'm about to go ahead and do it. I'm going to shock you by what I'm about to say. Okay? And I like to kind of preface that, and I like to say shocking statements because uh, that's the way strongholds are broken. Like someone shocks us, and we think, wow, I've never thought of it that way. It says God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. doesn't say reconciling believers. Doesn't say, rec- doesn't say reconciling Christians, says reconciling the world, not imputing their sins to them. Now, I'm go- I'm, again, I'm going to shock you. Listen, God's already taken care of everybody's sin, the whole world's sin. If he hasn't taken care of everyone's sin, then when a lost person gets saved, Jesus will have to die again. And Jesus is never going to die again because Hebrews says he died once for all. Okay, so every person's sin's already been paid for. Now, that doesn't mean they're saved because God gave you a will. You have a choice whether you receive Jesus or you reject Jesus. And the Bible tells us, by the way, what true believers are. It says Abraham believed God and it was accounted him for righteousness. James says, but what if Abraham had not enacted his faith and put it into works? What if, what if his life hadn't changed? Then his faith would have been dead. He wouldn't have really been working for God. He wouldn't have really, there would have been no change. So you can say all day, well, I believe in Jesus, but if you're still living your life for you, you're going to hell. That's, that's plain and simple. Jesus said it very, very clearly. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? When, when, when it comes time, I'm going to say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. So if you really believe something, you'll do it. If you believe it, you do it. It's like saying, I believe in bathing, I just don't do it. Okay. You don't believe in it then. So if you believe in Jesus, you live for Jesus. Is this okay for me to tell you this? Because you need to be shocked. It would be better for you to be offended at me and get saved. It would be much better for you to get, get upset because I'm kind of being strong with you right now than for you to spend eternity in hell. If you're not living for Jesus, you don't believe. So don't tell me you do. So when you believe, God puts righteousness in your account. 
But here's something that people don't realize. God's already taken sin out of everybody's account in the whole world. He's already taken sin out of your account. He did that through Jesus. Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. This is a big doctrinal word called propitiation. Propitiation means that God's wrath has been satisfied for the whole world. It's already been satisfied through Jesus Christ. Jesus took everyone's sin on himself. He made him, 2 Corinthians goes on to say, who knew no sin to be sin for us. So he, he, he took sin of the whole world and put it in Jesus' account. That's why Jesus died for us. That's why God was able to charge him with our sin. Okay. Now, here, here's, here's the shocking, okay? If that didn't shock you, here's going to shock you, okay? People don't go to hell for sin. Jesus has already paid for everybody's sin. People don't go to hell for sin. People go to hell for unbelief. The, the Bible doesn't say he that doesn't sin has life. And he that sins doesn't have life. It says, he that doesn't believe doesn't have life. And he that believes has life. See, this, this is why it's easy to get saved. Because God's already taken care of your sin. You, you just have to believe now. Okay, but when we think about this, confessing our sins, here's what we feel. We feel like there's a big, long file cabinet in heaven. And it's got all of our sins listed in it. And so we say, Lord, uh, I come to you today and I confess so-and-so. And the Lord says, haven't you confessed this before? Let me check your file. Okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. A hundred and eighty-four times. And that was just in 2004. <laughs> you want me to go to 2005? Hmm? Hmm? No. Here's what you need to understand. Accounting. God has taken sin out of my account. But, let me go on, because I've even heard preachers say, my account is blank. No, my account's not blank. Did you know what? There's one word in my account. You know what that word is? Righteous. God not only took sin out of my account, he put righteousness in my account. Okay, so if sin is out of my account and righteousness is in my account, then why would I need to confess my sins? Well, Jesus said, confess them. Confess your sins, your debts, the sins you can't pay. By the way, when Luke does the Lord's Prayer, he actually uses the word sin. And I think God wanted us to understand that sin is a debt we can't pay. I think that's why he did it that way in Matthew and in Luke. Okay, but why then would I need to confess my sins? Well, there's a difference between shedding and sprinkling. He made, God made, made it very clear, and it'd be a long, long, long teaching, so I'm just going to sum it up for you. But Jesus shed his blood once for all. He's never going to shed his blood again. But we can sprinkle the blood when we need it. Uh, let me show you a, a scripture uh, in Hebrews 9, verse 14. Hebrews 9.14 says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, it's comparing the blood of Christ to the Old Testament sacrifices, how much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Cleanse your conscience. By the way, this saying in verse 13, it uses the word sprinkling. Let me show you too another verse, Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Okay, 
Here's what happens. When we sin as believers, our conscience convicts us. Our conscience says, you know, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. But let me tell you someone who condemns us, and that's Satan. Satan brings it up, and he condemns us. And what happens is we begin to have an evil conscience. And if we don't get that thing clear, if we don't apply the blood, sprinkle the blood to that, we now have a seared or an evil conscience. And here's what we do. We begin to serve God out of dead works. In other words, we begin to try to make it up to God. Yes, God, I did this, so I'll read an extra chapter in the Bible tomorrow. Yes, God, I did this, so I'll give a little more money. Yes, God, I did this, so I will, I'll go ahead and volunteer for that thing that I didn't want to volunteer for. And then that'll make it up. And we serve God out of dead works. By the way, a good definition of dead works is any work God doesn't initiate. Or another definition would be a work that tries to appease God. That's a dead work. Because they they said to Jesus in John 6, they said, tell us the work of God that we might do it. The works, they said works, plural. Jesus came back with singular. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he sent. So if you, if you in any way think you're trying to pay for it, then you won't, you won't confess it. But we confess our sins to cleanse our conscience. And the, the blood of Christ, then it's not shed again, but it's sprinkled on our conscience. And now we say, God, thank you. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what happens is then we can begin walking like God walks and not bringing it up again. You know, uh, someone said to me one time, um, I said, you know, you you really haven't forgiven yourself because you talk a lot about your past. And by the way, one of our pastors, I was going to tell you this at first, but one of our pastors, uh, Linda Godsey, wrote a book called Letting Go. If you have any difficulty, and it's just been released, so you might want to get that. But I was talking to this guy about letting go of the past. I said, you you really haven't forgiven yourself. I said, because you keep bringing it up again. Here's what he said. He said, well, well, I'm not God. I can't forget it. And I said to him, the Bible never says God forgets our sin. And I know you're you're thinking, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say God forgets our sin. God is omniscient. He has all knowledge. How could you have all knowledge and forget something? Okay, it doesn't say he forgets. Let me tell you what it does say. It says he chooses to remember them no more. The word remember means to bring it up again, to recall it. God, it doesn't, that's not that God, you know, has forgotten it. You know, if God has forgotten my sin, he's forgotten about 90% of my life. <laughs> no, he chooses not to bring it up again. You can be like God and quit bringing it up. And, and by the way, can I, can I just say something? Just, I mean this humorously, so please don't get offended at me. Uh, but women have a better memory than men. <laughs> well, you said that. No, I don't think I said that. August 11th, 1982. <laughs> you were wearing that brown shirt that I don't like. And you did your hand like this when you said it. Sugar, we need to let that go. <laughs> you, ever, you ever heard, thinking about memory, I'm sorry, but you ever, you ever heard that old expression, he's got the memory of an elephant? Have you ever heard that? I remember thinking one time, what does an elephant have to remember? You know, hold the tail of the elephant in front of you and stay in line. You know, I mean, I don't know. 
Okay. All right, so number one, confess your debts. And, and can I say this also? Give us this day our daily bread. Is it possible the Lord's Prayer is a daily prayer? Is it possible we should confess our sins daily? Is it possible that we should keep and forgive others daily? Is it possible we should keep a short list with God and others? Okay, now here's number two, release your debts. Now turn to Matthew 18. I asked you to put a marker there. Matthew 18, look at verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I do not, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, some people say Peter was asking a spiritual question because the word seven means completeness, and he was being very spiritual. I don't think at this time in Peter's life he was spiritual, personally. I think we have ample evidence to the contrary of that. Uh, I, I think personally Peter was saying, Lord, is it all right with you? Can I have your permission that if someone does me wrong, I forgive them seven times, eighth time I jump on them, beat the snot out of them. Would that, would that be all right with you? I think that's what he was asking personally. Jesus said, no, 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 not seven, 70 times seven. But here's an interesting thing. We know the Bible was written in Greek. We know that Jesus spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. But in Hebrew, let me tell you what this word is. It's not 70 times seven, it's 77 fold. It's the same thing, Se sevenfold, 70, 77 fold. Here's the reason that that's interesting. It's used one time in the Old Testament and it was a saying in Israel and everybody knew what it was. It came from Lamech. Lamech was a descendant of Cain. Do you remember Cain killed um, Abel? Let, let me read it to you from the Old Testament. Genesis 4 verse 23 says, Then Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah. They had beautiful names in the Old Testament. <laughs> I'd like for you to meet my daughter, Adah. <laughs> you got another one? Yeah, Zillah. Okay, so all right. <laughs> Here. Okay, here's talking to his wives, okay? Hear my voice, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me. We don't even know if he wounded him. We think he wounded him physically, obviously, but, you know, wounding, did he, did he say something, you know, to him? Even a young man for hurting me. This guy had his whole life in front of him. He, he wounded him, he, you know, whatever he did, and, and Lamech kills him. And then he says this, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech, 77-fold. That's it right there. The 77-fold or 70 times 7 was used in Israel as an expression of a person who is uh, a person who gets revenge and goes over the top. That's what it was used for. In other words, it's kind of like this. Here's what Lamech was saying. Okay, listen, uh, if you come after me, I just want everybody to know I'm making a declaration about me and my personality. You come after me, you're going to get a lot more back. Now, I just, I just want you to be honest. You don't have to raise your hands. Why don't you think about this? You ever said something like that? You ever said, oh, listen, you don't want to start a war with me. You start a war with me, you'll get a whole lot more back than what you give. Okay, that's revenge. And here's what's amazing. Jesus said, the way that you used to re give revenge to people is the way I want you now to give forgiveness. Matter of fact, I want you to say something like this. Oh, you do something wrong to me? Let me tell you what you're going to get back. Grace. <laughs> and you're going to get a lot of it. You're going to get much more grace and forgiveness for me than what you did. That's what he's saying. 
And then he tells this story about the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, king, all right, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, in in that day's currency, that would have been about $52,800,000. Okay, 10,000 talents in that currency. So, just think about, and by the way, the average wage then was about $44 a day. Okay, so $44 a day, all right, uh, a little over $200 a week, about $10,000 a year. And he said, here's a guy that owes, that makes $10,000 that owes $52 million. Okay. You're going to see in a moment where that word debt is of the one that you can't repay. Okay. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had in payment to be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. The master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, all right, $44. $44. By the way, I'm sorry, I said a moment ago, average day's wage was $44. Pardon me, it was $4 a day. Excuse me, $4 a day. This is 100 times the average wage, $44. No, never mind, I'll have to figure my math out later. Because <laughs> that'd be 10, wouldn't it? <clears throat> And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, so he's not going to pray for him, um, (laughs) saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went out and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. Now, that word debt means a debt that you could repay. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you're a wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt. And that's, there it is again, that debt that you couldn't pay because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And then look at verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now verse 35 is very sobering. Jesus speaking, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses remember what Jesus said right after the Lord's prayer if if you don't forgive my father won't forgive you if you don't release my father's not going to release you but here's what we find out in verse 35 he's not only not going to release you he's going to turn you over to tormentors to torturers demonic spirits. If you've ever had a grudge against someone, if you were honest about it, you know what it's like to be tormented. Absolutely tormented. Hebrews says it this way, don't let a root of bitterness springing up, and by this many become defiled. By the way, that verse goes on to say, the very next verse says, lest there be a fornicator among you. Can, Can I say something pretty strong here? Nearly every person I've met that's had a sexual bondage is a person when you go back you find a root of bitterness he said don't let a root of bitterness spring up or many will be defiled many people will be defiled and that also as the Greek in the Greek has the connotation of sexual defilement and then the very next verse says lest there be a fornicator among you please hear me bitterness and unforgiveness number one reason 
for Christian bondage, in my opinion. If we could get people to forgive others the way they've been forgiven, but the reason most of the time we can't is because they're still trying to earn their forgiveness and not just receive it from God. And this is why I think Jesus said, you need to pray this every day. You need to be reminded that you have a debt that you could never repay, and your heavenly Father has pardoned you from that debt. Therefore, you will have the grace to pardon others. Every one of us can relate to Barabbas. Do you remember Barabbas? He was the third thief that was caught, and he actually committed murder during the robbery. The other two, it says, never tells us about them doing that. The three guys commit a robbery. Two of them do the robbery, but one guy murders the guy. His name is Barabbas. He's not only going to be crucified with the other three for robbing, but he murdered someone. He's sitting in his cell, waiting to be crucified. He hears the footsteps coming down the hall of the guard, the key in the lock, and they open the door, and the guard says the same thing to him that he says to every one of us. You're free. Jesus is dying in your place. Jesus is dying in your place. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, someone just like that went out and found someone else that owed him and would not forgive him. But you've been forgiven for everything you've ever done in your whole life. We need to receive God's grace every day so we can extend God's grace every day. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment and ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And I want you to think about it. Have you truly, have you truly forgiven that person the way God has forgiven you? freely. And if there's any thought, yeah, but you don't understand, that person hasn't changed. What you're saying is that person hasn't earned my forgiveness, and because I changed, I earned God's forgiveness. No, 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 no. God forgave you, and you changed. God didn't wait to see if you would change to forgive you. He forgave you, and His forgiveness and grace and mercy is what gave you the ability to change. And you've got someone in your life that you want to change, but you won't forgive the person. So you're holding that person in bondage, and you are being tormented. We, we want to pray for you. If you're going through any difficulty, we want to pray for you, but especially if you're going through a difficulty in this area, and you shouldn't be embarrassed for asking for prayer, because every person, every person has gone through this and goes through this. So here's what we're going to do in just a moment. We'll have one more worship song. No matter which campus you're attending, or if you're in the second level at South Lake, or if you're in the overflow room at NRH, we're going to have leaders at the front that want to pray for you. At the second level South Lake, we have leaders beside every exit. So we know if you're heading toward the exit, you're not leaving, you, you, you're going to talk to someone for prayer. So if you need prayer for some, any reason, any reason, as soon as we stand up, we'll have one more worship song. During that worship song, 
You just make your way to the front of whichever campus you're attending and let us pray for you. Please, you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. And some of you may have realized because I, I got so strong on salvation during this message, I didn't do this in the other service. So it may be that some of you need to say, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired, of, I believe, but I'm, I'm holding on. I need to give my life to the Lord. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out and come to one of the leaders at the front, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.